Shut up and sit down. Everybody, I hope you can hear me. Let me check my shit. Okay. Already earning my rating. Okay. <clears throat> I am not a thick tease and any other kind of tease. I'm 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 not. Anyway. Anyways, tonight we're gonna talk about um we're doing um the writer's table, obviously, so your questions are welcome in the chat room. Lady Holder will be joining me. Um and we're gonna kinda focus on and normally as you know, if you listen to the podcast, I'm a plotter, and by nature, I have pants some projects, so I'm, I have probably an entirely different process from Lady Holder when I pants, because it's like only when I'm in a great deal of pain, um, so <laughs> it'll be a different experience. You don't make me mad, you confuse me. Lady Holder is in the chat room telling lies on me, um, or I've given myself some weird-ass challenge. Um, you know, so trying to expand my horizons as a writer. But most of my shows do focus on the plot process and plotting um, because that's my natural process. And um, this is my podcast. <laughs> so that's just how it works. But tonight we're going to do this for, for Pantsers um, and going to get Lady Holder on the air. And um, But if she picks on me, I'm going to cuss her out. When is that going to be different than any other day? <laughs> now, you aren't the pantser you used to be. No. Let let me be real. Um, uh, my first two big stories that I ever wrote were entirely pantsers. I mean, there was literally no plot documents for either of them. I wrote them on the fly. And that would be slow sight of indifference and an uncomplicated choice. Okay. And Julie's calling me a, pl- a plotster to an extent, I guess. <laughs> she keeps the plot in her pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what pockets are for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you guys be thinking of questions. I'll be um, I'll be. Let me get a piece. I need a blank piece of paper. Okay, I turned a new page in my notebook. So, um, you guys, if you have questions, <clears throat> so just to give you guys an idea, asking them. Yes. So the the whole idea for Slow Slide um, started out literally with the that first line and the whole idea of Rodney seeing um, 
seeing the abandonment coming because he'd been on other uh, or involved in other programs where it was indifference, it was starvation that killed some of the projects that he was on. And I don't even remember what episode of the show sparked this. Um, Slow Slide was random, totally and completely random. I've got an idea, I've got a, a, a scene in my head, and I put it together, and I wrote the first, not very much, actually, and it basically grew from there. All right. There was no challenge at this. This was me sitting down and writing everything out around a lot of family drama. And um, I know somewhere in in here is uh, there's a presidential election. Actually, it was right around uh, the time um, that Obama got uh, elected pres- president. And I put in that we were going to get a black president before he actually got elected. Admittedly, it was posted after he was, but it was in there. And I I was actually kind of happy I did that. But it's totally pantsed. There was no plans. There was no plot documents. Uh, There there was a lot of of random um, research at odd times of the night. But, yeah. Everything came straight out of my head and, and wandered from there. And it shows somewhat, but I think for the first time I ever wrote a, a any amount of fiction, it was a pretty tightly done one. I'm kind of happy with it. So, All right. how do you prep for, no, for Nano? We're coming up on Nano. What are you prepping? Uh... I don't even remember what Nano is at this point. <clears throat> My brain is always kind of wandering away. Not what quite is Nano human. supposed to be this year? Not quite human. Not um, quite human. 50K. Did I? Yeah, I know. Did I ever figure out what I wanted to do? I don't think I did. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I will um, figure out what universe I want to do. Uh, the challenge, and, and Joey's asking, how do you prep for a, 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 for challenge, any challenge? Um, I'll figure out what you, what universe I want, who the main couple I am going to be writing about, um, sometimes who the uh, the secondary couples are going to be. Um, if it's a Movie like the the last one that we just did in July, I'll go rewatch the movie that it was based out of. <clears throat> Pardon me, and um, put together a vague idea of what I want to get out of the story. You know, um, I wanted one couple to actually get to the point where they bonded, and that's where it ended. And the next story in the in the group that I've got is. Um, it's a trio, but it's only two-thirds, two-thirds bonded. I have to get the other third in there and get it going and make it a coherent whole. Now, how I'm going to do that? I got nothing. There is nothing on my plot document to tell me how I did that. Just that it's going to happen. And I probably just horrified you. I, you know, 
I get a lot of grief from people in my email about how I feel about Panthers, and it's not a reflection of Panthers. It, it isn't because my my best friend's a Panther. No. Um, so if I hated Panthers, I wouldn't be friends with her. That's for certain because she would drive me fucking oh, nuts. It's it's a more than usual. It's a matter of um, I have. I have OCD. I have I have a di- I have a di- I am a diagnosed obsessive compulsive, and and there are some things I do a certain way every single time. And hearing somebody else do it different, it it honestly sometimes makes me uncomfortable. But um, and I'm that, not mad at that's it. What I, you know what I mean? No, and, that, and that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. It, it, I know it 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 drives you mad not because it makes you mad as an angry as in this is a completely alien way of doing it and it doesn't it doesn't mesh with your your way of doing things too well okay so and i tried to and do it so, i tried not to take a head i know and, and and that and that fucked me over and i had to stop and plot but i did mm-hmm. try it i tried to do it her way so i, I could get some perspective it, it it didn't it didn't work out so even project your, i have brain doesn't work. which is first the mm-hmm. serpent king and but the thing is, is I had that whole plot in my head before I sat down to write. But here's the thing. So, I know roughly where I want certain things to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know it's your version of fantasy. I know roughly where I want to go <laughs> with the story that I'm doing Little Lion Man right now. Okay. Um, I know that I'm still going to have Guinevere and that little boy be walled up in that oubliette thingamabobber and you know, they're going to get them out, get them out. And it's going to be the bolt from the blue, not just the, hey, she's pretty and, and you know, um, as they say in the movie, a woad. It's, oh, shit, this is our, our third, and we can't do anything. <laughs> we got no time. We got nothing we can do. And everybody's going to be frustrated and pissy, and they can't do anything. And that I know, that's what I've been driving for for this whole thing, is I knew this whole idea was coming. And, and it's, it's not so much bullet points, it's not so much, um, uh, you know, um, a, pr- um, a planned progression. It's, sometimes it's, I got an opening scene, I got a middle scene where I have the really interesting ta- thing happen, and then I got the end. And it's how I get there that, I sit there and I will what if every step of the way. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because she's watched me do it. And, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, she'll it, – it, it's not so much she's seen you, you know, write because, you know, there's there's been times that that's happened, but um, <laughs> it's uh, – Watching me take um, the morsel of an idea and and come out with something else. Yeah, you know, I I don't really plot the way um, Kira does. I've done it. Um, I've stuck to the general plot line, but I've also gotten to the point where I'm writing something and it's like I don't like this plot line anymore. So I jump the shark and have a good time. And for me, it makes it's it's more fun and it's easier. So, yeah. 
Well, that's interesting to that. Um, do I keep track of key elements, plot points uh, after that fact to help with timelines and event repercussions is right? Oh, um, <laughs> okay. So how I keep track of things. Um, I'm actually one of those weirdos that I hold most of uh, plot points in my head and I, I do it relatively easily. Um, up until Kira's stuff got to be a couple million words and then some, um, I kept most everything in my head. And I reread everything once or twice a year and I was doing okay. All right. And I was keeping she her stuff in my head out. and hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, st- I also did, um, you know, uh, continuity stuff. So that, you know, yeah. that was something there. Um, for me, yes, there is going back. Uh, right now, unlike what I did with all my other uh, stories, I'm writing um, Little Lion Man in one file. All right. Um, so I don't have to open all these different uh, windows with stuff and I'm just going scrolling back and forth and it's helping a bit, you know, and I may just do that from now on, but I normally, I used to write in different files, one chapter or one file per chapter. And I can't do that now. I I like it the other way. Um, For any, uh, for the stories that, that I write for rough trade. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Jilly. Um, 20,000 words for me is not a short story. All right. My longest fic is just over 50,000. <laughs> All right. Um, you guys write 100,000 word epics, and I haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> but I have faith. Now, I'm, I have horror stories. Here we come. <laughs> 100,000 words is an epic for me. All right. <laughs> Um, for her, slow slide and <laughs> slow slide and an uncomplicated choice aren't even a hundred thousand words together. All right, that should give you an idea. Um, do I think um, I'm not, uh, okay? How do you how do you pronounce her name? Adronhia. I hope I mangled that right. Call her, uh, um, her Edie. Okay, Edie. All right. Uh, do you think or find that as a panzer, the story will tend to go off in a completely unexpected direction and end up somewhere different, more so than a plotter will? Or do you find that you stay more or less on track uh, to where you expected? Um, the major macro points of the story go, um, go as I expect them to. All right. Um, unexpected stuff, to give an example from this last rough trade, um, a lifelong bond, I really wasn't going to have Boars and Dagonet be a pair, actually part of a trio. They were just going to be Boars and Dagonet. And I decided that, fuck it, they're a trio. And <laughs> that was, well, it wasn't, it was and it wasn't, um, a major plot point. It was a useful point because I could use them being um, sentinels as two more um, two more uh, pieces of of 
intelligence and some place to get information from. You know, if I parked Dagonet in uh, some part of the fort and said, okay, he's passing the word from here, it meant that I didn't have to have somebody go over there. All right. And so it was useful. Um, another one that I did that was not so much planned as extrapolated from the movie, Bishop Germanus is slime. He is human-shaped slime, and he is in the movie, and you can tell. But how I have him in the story, while it may be what that particular character would be relatively like, there's not really anything to back it up in the movie. All right. But I don't like him, so I'm making him my villain. (laughs) All right. And if... Well, I don't. And if y'all haven't figured out what's going on with poor Horton, I don't want to know. <laughs> All right. So to to I've gotten better at staying on um <laughs> known Dematis, not Horton the Who. Um <laughs> God, there goes that idea. Uh, the ability to stay on track is a skill, okay? And um, I wandered fairly far afield with some of the stuff that I did with my first two fix that um, that I, I don't think I would have done now. Okay, Um, I hit all the major points I wanted to hit, but some of the minor stuff I wouldn't have done the way I did. (laughs) Yeah, um, Shalyn, part of it is is that um, for those people who are on phones, we hear everything just about two or three seconds ahead of, of what's being transmitted, I think. Sorry. Yeah, that was true even in Blog Talk's um, uh, chat room. The, I'd say almost 10 seconds, actually, ahead mm-hmm. of the chat room. And the chat room is a very instant okay. thing. And there is a delay between Blog Talk, um, me speaking, and Blog Talk broadcasting. So it's, it's about 10 right. seconds. I can't actually do anything with those 10 seconds. Like, you think they would build that in so I could censor something if necessary? Mm-hmm. But no, there's no ability whatsoever to do that. <laughs> yeah. Rat bastards. Yeah. Okay. The phone definitely has less lag. Okay, so... Um, yeah. So, I'm pretty sure Jilly and, and Kira are the two plotters in the group um, as is far more of a spatter um, writer because she throws stuff against the wall and sees if, if it sticks often it does <laughs> that's excellent, excellent. Well, what, else, what else do you call the vegetable ninja <laughs> yes I'm calling her the Pollock she is the group. Jackson Pollock she is definitely the Jackson Pollock of our group. Okay. And I went from being 
I went from being relatively pollocky to to having at least a, a in my in my head a coherent plan. Okay. Um, uh, did pro writing do that to you? No, actually, it didn't do that to me. What did it to me is this person that I said, sure, I'll beta for you. And then she sucked me in and um, called me her best friend. <laughs> um, Are I you blaming me or giving me credit? I'm giving you all the credit in the world because I was much more scattered before. Okay. One of the more um, interesting things um, I learned, well, that happened to me in the beta process is when – Chris and I and um, Lady Holder were working on Lantean Legacy. And if Lantean Legacy is anything, it is a group project. <laughs> I mean, I did the writing, but they did the shaping. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was. Insert sex here. An experience. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. you got to stop um, that, that, that. Yeah, fuck that breathing thing. Yeah, Chris was very much a case of insert sex here. And that no, was always more worth than it that. For that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. But Chris is um yeah. a, a very different beta from Lady Holder and so there were they were like, coming at me from different directions, but one thing Chris said was <laughs> that that whole process is like a master class in plotting. <laughs> oh yeah. And I think we all learned it, a lot from that beta process. Oh, yeah. I, I learned a lot of, of things on how things were constructed. And some of the questions that I I put in, I put in because as a reader, I wasn't understanding what was going on. And if me, who's 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 got the document in front of me and is talk, talking to you on the regular about this and getting the behind the scenes isn't understanding something, that needed to be clarified. And so that's one of those things that sometimes when – I'm looking at my own writing and I'm, I'm reading through it um, because I do try and even with rough trade, read through everything one last time before I post it. If I look at something and it's like, did I stutter? I stuttered. I will try and fill in what I, what I, uh, what I did. Why, you know, this whole area just does not make sense. doesn't always work. Okay. Um, and that's that's something that I have to take into consideration because I run into this, and, and it happens when you self-edit, you see what you want to see in your story. Okay? And so it's really helpful when, as a complete Panzer or the semi-panzer that I actually am, when I hand something to Kira or Jilly or even As, who has done stuff for me, um, can you take a look at this and tell me, you know, what do you think of it? You know, and they alpha read for me, and sometimes I get back, I don't understand parts of this, but sure, it's fine, you know, and then I try and figure out what I can do to fix it. Well, one thing I would say about Lantian Legacy is that I really didn't give them a story the first time. I gave them a synopsis of an idea. <laughs> it wasn't really yeah, a story they're... yet. I was like, you guys, look at this. Tell me what you think. And we edited a year it. Later, <laughs> we dated it. 
a year later, No Enemy Within was born. <laughs> yes. So, you know, so so really, I think that all three of us learned a lot during that process. Mm-hmm. And um, going back through their comments and, and seeing, it's, it's really interesting to go back through old betas and, and, and look at the things that people pick up in your work. And having mm-hmm. a pantser um, be a part of your beta is is fascinating. Especially, well, it's fascinating for me because I, you come from an opposite section of, of brains than I do. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And so you you sit there and, you know, question me on things and it's like, okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm much less frustrated nowadays because I understand more where things are coming from. That master class that we did, that year of learning how to do this, Okay, and word economics. Um, I was a wordy, you know, a wordy bitch with some of the, the stuff I did before, and it, and and you know, if I if I go back through, you know, slow slide, or I go back through um, um, uh, an uncomplicated choice, I probably end up chopping out whole sections and putting more stuff in, but I'd still end up trimming. <laughs> You know, and and making things less verbose in sections. Um, mm-hmm. Sapphic Witch, I'm just going to call you Witch, um, says, I tend to write scene in a, law, in a nonlinear fashion, which has been making working on the challenges in RT a bit challenging. I, the closest I can come to nonlinear is my tendency to write on two different mediums, which is paleo. Okay. Um, I tend to write both on the computer and I have a um, uh, handwriting to text um, facilitator. It's a pen that, and paper that I use. And so while I may leave um, – one scene where it is at home because that's where, where everything is on my computer, what I pick up at the office may be a scene later. Okay? And so when I get home, I have to stitch the two together. So that's the closest I get to, co- to going nonlinear. And it's not because um, it's not always because that's how um, I want to write. Sometimes it's, that's where I'm remembering to write. I can't always get at my writing at, at the office. So it works out. Um, <clears throat> the hardest thing for me is it, it's not always that first sentence because that's sometimes what the story kernel is, where where my story starts. Sometimes it's knowing where to end. Okay. Um, I think that's part of the reason I've got one story that I, I know I want an epilogue for, but it almost feels like the start of a third story and I don't really want to do it. <laughs> and, and I can't do it for the, the Rough Trade Challenge next year because that part's already published because I've done parts of it. So it's going to stay where it is for the moment. Um.
the hearing is there um, wait add a question sure You have a question. Okay. Um, I do have a question. Is there a fandom or a genre that you would be hesitant to write in without doing a lot of prep, like research timelines? Star, Star Trek and what? Um, Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, because um, I grew up on Trek, and so I grew up on original series. I. Um, and mostly the books, so I would go back through and probably reread my favorites. Um, the other one, honestly, that I adore, but I am very hesitant to write any more than the three bits that I've already written, is um, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Uh, it isn't the material that's that, intimidating. It's the fandom. I mostly ignore the fandom because I'm not really, I mean, I read a lot of their stuff, but I stay away from the commentary because I don't have, I don't want to have the urge um, to, you know, carpet bomb people. It's just rude. (laughs) Look, I already have that problem with, with the Sentinel fandom. All right. I have that problem with parts of NCIS and don't get me started on some of the people in Stargate. So, you know, I just I, <clears throat> Ellie asked in the chat room, "Do you ever start with an inspiration and then try out several fandoms to see which one resonates?" Weirdly, no. Um, for all the fact that I um, I pants a lot of stuff, I'm weirdly linear in that I prefer to start one story and work on it pretty much exclusively for a while. Doing what Kira or Jilly has has done, which is basically open a half dozen um, uh, files and then start writing three words here, four words there. I'm going to write six pages here. Jump over to this completely new fandom and write, you know, a dozen pages here. I can't do that. My brain will have screaming fits. Okay. Oh, that, that's not what she's um, asking, though. But what she's what asking is, is, do you ever have an idea that you don't know which fandom you want to stick it in, so you try different fandoms to find one. Uh-uh. No, I, okay. I'll sit there and mull it. I mean, the closest I've seen happen to that was that one um, that she did with the Sentinel, and it was pure Sentinel and then SGA. Yeah. I still don't know, I still don't yeah. know which one I like best, though, to be honest. I think my answer is going to probably confuse the hell out of you because it's yes. <laughs> I like them both. <laughs> I think it would be really interesting to actually publish them both, to finish them, and to say, okay, here is the original idea, and here is my Stargate fan fiction of my other idea. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, the problem is, is I'm, I'm a bit of. Trying to think of it. Of the six of us, I'm the one who likes apocalyptic the most. I think. What? All right. What? Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic fic. Oh. In other yeah, words, she's always I like to, to end the world. The whole world. She's always trying to set, <laughs> set the planet on fire. Hey, she just likes to watch it. Fire pretty. 
um, <laughs> um, for me, my my favorite universe to put the apocalyptic fic, uh, fandom or fiction in is um, is Stargate. Because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna burn the world, I might as well do my best to save what I like out of it. You know, and <laughs> the Stargate fandom is is very useful in being able to do that. Okay. Um, doing. I mean, the only other one I can think of that I would do is potentially Teen Wolf. You know, for end the world type thing, and even then, it's more. Um, I've read some people who've done it well enough that I'm satisfied with it. Okay, so I don't have, I don't have any great urge in that direction to sit there and and you know carefully, you know, put all the 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 you know stuff around the world and just light that sucker on fire. Stargate, I got lots of that uh, urge, so. I don't have the urge in Harry Potter either, although the closest I came was when I sent Harry and, and Draco back into um, the King Arthur uh, time period, and they left everything to go do whatever it was going to do in that time zone. So, I read years... Uh, Shallon says, I thought the Sentinel was a good universe for that, I guess, um, for a little world-burning. Um I've read a couple. They were very harsh. And yes, Julie, I did implicitly set the... Yes. Um, I did implicitly set the world on fire uh, in the Harry Potter universe that time. Well, I've you done know, that if, in the Harry Potter universe. I mean, who hasn't destroyed the, uni- the world in the, in the Harry Potter universe? One, two... <laughs> I can count three... No, wait a second. Let me let me rephrase this. I can count. I can count two where Harry lit the match, and I can count a couple others <laughs> where he was was reacting to to it to help save it instead of lighting it on fire and watching it burn. <laughs> okay, Jilly, what which um awful, horrible, damn cliffhanger made it uh, clear that things have gone to shit. Oh, restoration. She's got feelings. (laughs) Apparently she does. (laughs) Apparently she does. She's got some feelings about this, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I'm sorry, but yeah, everything did go to shit, okay? Um, you know, think about it this way. I had one of those two characters be the once and future king of England. The other was um, his, I don't want to say right-hand man, but it was his partner in, in all things on that, okay? And... No matter what time period, you know, he was, he was always going to be the once and future king of England. 
All right. And so, yeah, everything went to hell. Oh, and, yeah, zombie apocalypse. Um, Ellie, I kind of I don't want Twinkies in a zombie apocalypse. I want a shotgun. Yeah, I'm pretty need. I'm pretty much in need of a weapon. I'm gonna need a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> Shotguns Correct. are great. I'm, I'm gonna I, need a lot of weapons. <laughs> if the husband reloads. He can figure out how to redo shotgun shells. That would be great. Yeah. And then a sword, because reasons. And it doesn't run ah. out of ammo. <laughs> that too. There. Okay, I live in in one of those states where you don't have to have a actual license for your gun. You just have to have the gun to carry. And so there's a shit ton of of um, weapons uh, out here that are all over. There's lots of people to go and get uh, ammunition from and weapons. They won't need you know, them. If, if I'm, yeah, no shit. Um, you know, I, mm, the, one of the most interesting, one of the most interesting zombie apocalypse. I can ride zombie apocalypse if I can make it just as crack as possible. Please God do. Um, with, with no aim. The 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 one zombie apocalypse that I actually am enjoying, and the the uh, writer is actually updating it again, is actually set in the Teen Wolf fandom. And um, for the most part, the zombies are on the other side of the wall, basically, and they show up. They're they're a fact of life, but they're not. Um, they're and they're they're a quite. Um, central part of life, but they're not the central part of life. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, how do I pick between universes? I think I get more readers with Hawaii Five O, but I have people who want to see me do Firefly. I honestly don't know what people want to see me write in, but. I write what I want to write in. Okay. Um, right now, I'm writing in uh, a fandom that is not the most popular. I mean, it's um, it's very not popular. It's a teeny fandom, but I'm happy it's with it. Teeny, and so, it's a teeny, teeny fandom. And that's the important thing. <laughs> Maybe writers mm-hmm. to be happy. Yes, and you know it's um, you know I'm doing this and I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of it, and it may end up being that um, my stories may be some of the the biggest and longest in the fandom. I'm not too sure about that. I haven't looked, but they are they're mine and I'm satisfied with them. They they. When I get finished with them and I tie them off, it's just going to be satisfaction. So, yeah, I may I may not write again in this fandom for another year or two after I finish this, but I'll write in something. You know, I, 
you know, honestly, if you if you feel equally towards it, break out a quarter and flip and start writing. And if after a page or two it feels wrong, go back to the other one. There's nothing that says that you have to, you know, be stuck. Okay. That is the um, um, Teen Wolf one. And it's by this nice person. Okay, she's talking about AZA after the zombie apocalypse by Lady Angel. Mm-hmm. You can find that on AO3. Yes. <laughs> um, Edie, yes, having um, Tony being in a cross fandom orgy with all your favorites would be great, but he'd be chafed. One way or another, they'd all be chafed. They'd be all be chased. If it was done right. <laughs> well, yes. Writing an orgy is boring and tedious. Chili, really? I've never written an, <laughs> an orgy. Ah. Uh. Oh, God, that would be boring. Julie's commenting because you have to keep up with parts and who's in who. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's, um, you know, sometimes um, because of of how I do things. Dick and a thing. Yes. This is why most threesomes are two, two of one sex and one of the other. That way, you don't have to worry about three of everything. I'm fine with it too, Jilly. But Jilly comments that she's fine with male, male, male. I'm fine with it too, but yeah. I find male, male, male frustrating to write because it's too many he's. It's really difficult playing pronoun roulette um, when you're writing two men, much less three. And then you got three dicks. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. It's just too much dick for me. Too much dick to keep track of in a scene. <laughs> I need some, I need a break. <laughs> we are not having tentacles in our, nope. By the way, that is a legit product that I put up. It is a 55-gallon drum of lube that you can get from Amazon, and it would only cost you $1,904.77. And is it labeled passion? Is that really the picture? Wow. Yep. So yep. I imagine it's like for the porn industry. I've seen it actually in the behind-the-scenes of one of the porn um, uh, studios, and they had a pump on it. Yeah. Yeah. And as a That's matter of not fact, I, found, I don't know, actually. Um, I uh, 
legitimately and honestly found a use. I found this by by researching something because I was looking for lube, and um, decided that it was absolutely going to go in a fic that I I did, and I put it in, and it was Jack O'Neill who shipped a couple ba- uh, barrels of that out to Atlantis for reasons. I don't want to know how long it lasts before um, uh, expiration. Um, I forgot your name. I'm sorry, Sapowicz, but it's, um, I don't think it'll Kylie. last that. Or, Kyla. Kylie. Kyla. Kyla. I don't think it's going to, I don't think we'd have to worry about it. Oh, and that's one thing that you do have to be careful of when you, when you do pantsing, okay? Um, you can easily fall down the research uh, rabbit hole. Okay, because I don't always know um, what I'm going to need when I'm figuring out my 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 basic story. Um, and so, you know, I will basically put things on hold and go go wander off to research, you know, something, and come back a day or two later and pick up maybe where I left off or I may close out the scene that I was working on and start something else. And honestly, um, Edie, if I was, if I had enough of that uh, expired lube, I would stick it in a bucket and I would um, toss it in a, at a, a race while it's trying to clear its eyes out. It's, it's a sitting duck. All right. Everything and anything can be used as a weapon. All right. So, Oh, Jilly, were you okay? Oh, okay. So, any other questions, guys? Come on. I mean, we're only 48 minutes in. (laughs) Do you think, do you think that you could plot like I do? You mean, um, and just to make sure, no, I, I hit mute because I, I, I was just about ready to um, pour something with ice into a, in a uh, cup and that makes noise. Um, could I plot the way you do where you open up, um, basically you, you, you know you have opening scene, this is, has to happen, and these are all the plot points that have to happen in it. And then next scene, and these are the plot points. And next scene, and next scene, and next scene. Well, I do it by chapter. I think I'd go yes. bonkers. Could you do that? I think I'd go bonkers. <laughs> the closest I've ever come to that is um, that one um, urban fantasy thing that we did, where I have Tony being an elf, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I left that about halfway. <laughs> so, do you think that? Hi, um, oh God! Tell him I got tell him to stop. I got a headache. She's got a headache. Go away. No, I go away. 
Is he pouting? That's so sad. He gave me his phone. On it is a picture of a sweet, lovely little platypus. And it says, the platypus is the only animal that produces its own milk and eggs. Therefore, it can make its own custard. That's what I said. Basically, the look that I gave you with um, a verbal cue. Go away. (laughs) I'm definitely wearing my what the fuck face. That was was my face, too. (laughs) Okay. So... Kyla asks, how do you judge story lengths when you're pantsing a story, especially if you only got certain elements planned? That is an excellent question. That is a very excellent question. Okay, so um, what I'm running into right now is I knew for a pretty certain good certainty that um, the last uh, in the last rough trade that a lifetime bond was going to be between 15 and 20,000 words. Okay. Um, just because of the characters that I was writing. Um, Tristan is not the most verbose of people. And the early stuff that, that um, I was writing in was never touched in the story. So I could, I could make everything and mold it. So that way it was, Fifteen to 20,000 words. Now, when I edit it and go back through it and fill stuff in, and, and um, actually, if you want to be technical, it would be Mr. McCaffrey, because remember, mine's supposed to be Lady Holder McCaffrey. Anyhow, yeah. um, <laughs> if when I go back through and I edit that particular story, it may gain some words, because um, I know there's a couple areas that I basically said, I can't do this at this point. And I left some things that I wanted to expand on because it is a rough, it's it's the first round of the draft. So there's that. What I'm running into with Little Lion Man is I may have underestimated it by about ten thousand words. Okay, because um, <laughs> yes, but I've done this to you before. Um, but it may you know it's it's going to depend on. Um, what I touch on and what I'm willing to, in some cases, sacrifice. Because if I want to stick uh, close to the 20,000 word um, limit, I may not put a great deal of sex in. Okay, It may weirdly be the only sex in the story is the stuff that we open with. Okay? And so... You know, we get to the point where um, after the battle, you know, the three uh, parts of the trio look at each other and go, let's go take a bath and stuff like bunnies. Close. Well, technically that would get me to 20,000 words and and a bit more. It's really unsatisfying. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Because it's very much a rocks fall, everybody dies. In this case, it's a... um, we're promised hot and steamy sex, and then the tape breaks. You know, or your 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 DVD player eats it, or your you know the internet goes out and you don't get any, or your 
person who you want to have hot, steamy sex with has projectile vomiting. I don't know. You know, all of these are things that would, would cause the problems. Um, but the, the thing is, is right now where I am in the story, I'm just over or just about 7,500 words in. And I... I know based off of how I write and what I want out of this, um, the the bonding isn't for about another twelve thousand words, if not fifteen, because I've got a lot between them now and then to get to, and it's. A lot of it's just experience. It's um, knowing where I write and how I write. And what you had mentioned, I think it was last week, about going back and rereading what you've written so that way you can see um, a concrete example of, you know, hey, sex for me takes this much. Um, introductions takes this much. If I, if I do a bonding in the Sentinel universe, um, I range from here to here. You know, that gives you an idea of of where of your your framework. Um, Ellie's asking so, me. So, well, like, wait, there was a question above that. Shaylin asked, "Okay, um, what type, what steps or materials does a pantser need in order to work on becoming a plotter?" Um, <clears throat> first thing. I recommend is that you don't pick an idea that you love. Pick an idea that you like, but not one that you're in love with. Get yourself a pen and a notebook and think about the idea that you just kind of like and write down all the events that should happen in order to make your goal for the idea happen. This is a variation of a plot document, which you can then separate into chapters or parts, depending on how lo- how big your idea is. The re- okay, and then go take your plot points, sit down at the computer, and start trying to write them. The reason I suggest that you not pick an idea you love, because if you ruin it for yourself by plotting, it won't be an idea that you loved. <laughs> that is a very good point. And, you know, here's the thing. I liked um, my Denozo as an elf. I can't say I loved it. Okay. And so I, I wrote it. I, I plotted it. Um, and it's, it's a, for me, incredibly detailed plot. Okay. Um, I'm going to do my level best to finish it, okay? But it's not it's not high on my list. I'll say that, okay? Because um, because honestly, when I'm when I look at it, I, I look I look at how I did it, and I'm not in love with it. You know, I. I even went so far as I plotted out, you know, who these people were, what they did when they were born, their, their, 
their backgrounds, and I don't normally do that, and it felt really bizarre. You know, um, it's not so much I feel like it's already written as um, I lost interest. You know, and so I have to actually to finish it because it's it's a good story, and I want to finish it. I really need to get back into it and finish it. Oh, holy God in heaven, I have got so much left. Yeah. <laughs> yep, this is fun. I think one of the things I think people um, do is think the plot process has to be really complicated. And it doesn't. It can be as simple as a list of events that must take place in your story for your character to get from point A to point B. That's it. That's all it has to be. It's a list of events and plot points that you need your character to go through to get to the resolution that you've picked. Okay, so... Now, you can um, plot all the way down to the scene, but I don't recommend it. So just to give you guys an example, for the urban fantasy that that we did, which was, for me, it was the, the Kelpie Conspiracy. Um, it goes chapter one, and then I have um, Gibbs and McGee come in with full moon hangover and see someone in, in Kate's desk. Uh, Tony gives a detailed report of what's, what she's uh, been doing in Gaelic. Gibbs understands. Ziva tries to come along with them when they get a call about the Admiral's daughter. Um, when they get back, they find Shepard is standing in their row, talk, uh, walking Ziva through how to log on to NCIS servers. Tony questions, what the fuck? And Ziva may have killed her human brother in front of Gibbs, but she's still not getting far with him. He snaps at Tony to corral her while they continue their investigation. That's what I plotted. That's not what I wrote. <laughs> Okay, I really didn't, and I I haven't read this thing in in a couple months, and I know I did not write that, okay? But I plotted it. Now, does it mean that those plot points won't show up? They'll probably show up, but they sure as hell won't be in Chapter 1, okay? Because as I was writing, as I was starting this off and and stitching, because of how I write, I go from um, opening scene to, okay, now... You know, I know these characters. What would they do next? Okay, this is the next thing that they've done. Um, am I honest to God? It's a choose your own adventure. Good God, that's how I, my head works. Okay, and sometimes it's um, I, I will back up. Okay, and I will cut uh, out something, and it might legit get deleted. Okay, it might get thrown into um, another file for later. But it's basically a choose-your-own-adventure, if that's the easiest way to put my version of pantsing. Okay, because, you know, you have two options. Um, you know, Ziva comes into the, the squad room, and Tony can either say no, you know, what the fuck, or he can let her sit at Kate's desk and accept that she's there. If he does no, what happens next? Well, it's the harder uh, road. It's also the more interesting one. 
so off you go. So now he said no. And does she push back? Does she go running to Shepard? Does she try and seduce him? Um, what's, the, what's the next step? You know, what is... Pantsing is easiest with the fandom you know. All right, and know intimately. And so I would say don't do it with something you're not familiar with. You know, um, don't do it with something you don't love. So how do you handle original fiction? Oh, that is a bit more planning. Um, But in a lot of ways, I still pants. I have a goal. I know I have to make it to this amount. I have these points I want to hit. Um, do I want to have three or four sex scenes in something? Um, if it's three, okay, where am I going to have them? You know, is it going to be I open with one, there's one in the middle, and then we close with one? Okay, we can do that. And is are one of these going to be simple, you know, where it's um, – uh, BJ's or Fritage, or is it going to be something where I need to set a stage? All right. Is the climax of the story going to be, you know, the last sex scene, or is it going to be an emotional one? (laughs) I like that answer. It's not happening. Um, for the 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 professional stuff the other thing I I tend to do is um, because the the publisher I have has a they have a very comprehensive and very clear website that they have certain, um, I don't want to say classes, but certain um, types of, of, of stories that they publish, and they've got explanations on what they want. If you do fifteen to 20,000 words, um, it fits within this uh, line, and we would like this out of it. Great. That gives me my framework. Okay. Um, I haven't done a super long story for them. I tend to stick to something relatively short. But it still gives me a framework. And so um, it, do, it's, it doesn't make it easier to do, but it does – well, I guess it does make it easier. You know, I know <laughs> – well, I know what I'm. I, I know what I'm. I'm aiming for. Okay, and that's right. That's what happens. You know, no matter what I'm writing, I have a, I have a goal I'm aiming for. You know, um, hot steamy sex and and a relationship at the end. I have yet to write hot steamy sex and everybody parts ways and, and you know says you know thank you for a good time and that's it. You know, um, I don't know if I could actually write that. And it's not because, you know, I have any any problems with it. Um, 
I certainly don't have any problems uh, reading it. You know, if, if if it's done right, it's great, but it's not something I'm comfortable with. She's a romance writer at heart. I am. I started reading romances as a teenager. It's, the infection is well and, well and truly entra- entrenched right now. Right, what I would say is there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a romance writer. <laughs> oh, no. Romance gets a lot of grief in the fiction market, especially among writers who don't write romance. But I have to tell you that romance is upwards of 65% of 65% of the market. And without romance to fund the fiction market, the rest, you know, major publishers would not exist to publish your mm-hmm. ultra-technical science fiction. There, There's one writer that I... Um, dearly adore and have read this particular gentleman's writing but he is a very technical writer and I don't want to even know what his series bible which in this case has got to be something along the lines of the Encyclopedia Britannica unabridged has to look like (laughs) yeah okay because he's been writing this particular universe for 20-something years. Okay. And it is high spaceships and science fiction and science and, you know, war stuff and and different planets and, and this, that, and the other. And I, honest to God, I look at it and go, your brain is something else, dude. Okay, but even he has ro- uh, romance in his stuff. Okay. Well, yeah, but that doesn't and count. It doesn't technically count as far as as publishing houses go. But I tell you what, if there if there wasn't um, if there wasn't romance in there, it wouldn't sell as well. Do I have universe notes for the multi-story stuff, profic or fanfic, or do you manage to remember it all? Um, I have the notes I took when I when I wrote them originally, and I go back and I reread some of that if I'm going to expand on it. Like um, if I ever finish um, Lion Guide, I'm going to have to read that thing from beginning to end and pull out all the stuff that I did and all the little notes I put um, in the file that I've got for it to figure out what I was doing because I don't remember everything. Um, once I read my notes, it will be pulled back up. But at this point, I've got a couple of different universes in front of it as far as, as my mental memory goes. Um, Unlike you, Jilly's asking me uh, the, the question about the notes. Unlike Jilly and Kira, I don't write everything down. Okay. Um, but what if you forget it? That makes me so nervous. You probably forgot really great things. <laughs> I have f- forgotten really great things. Okay. But I won't ever will to read. How dare you? Well, the the worst par, par, problem with that is is most of the really really great things are in that about three seconds right before your brain goes unconscious as you go to sleep. Yeah. Okay. 
And it feels like, you know, 10 minutes of stretch time and it's not really, but, you know, I'm going to remember in the morning. I don't remember shit. All right. Um, Sometimes I do. Okay. Um, There's the reason I actually got the pen um, that I use for, for handwriting to text is so that way I could remember. Okay. So that way I would have the, the ability to pull out the notebook and start writing and actually have it down. Um, some of my notebooks, because I keep those uh, now, some of them I can flip through and find the half-assed plot document that I did and use that to to figure out what where I was going. Okay. Um, I'll be honest and say when I started plotting um, Lion Guide, I had no idea who the killer was. I do now. All right, but I didn't <laughs> when I started. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but that's hurting my feelings too, but she doesn't care. No, I don't. I'm sorry, but that's the problem with being a pantser. Okay, it's also the the joy in some ways because in some ways I'm discovering this story just as much as y'all are. Okay, but the <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna put um, Jillian in her swooning chair with a with a fan at any minute now. <laughs> Law of the Pack, never. Did I do Law of the Pack? I did not do that. The Law of the Pack is me. You mean okay. her? Um, yes. You mean her? Uh, her? Her werewolf series. I got two werewolf things going, basically. I think they mean your pro thing. What's it called? Oh, um, the Ophelians. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Um yeah. There there's probably going to be more of that. Yeah. Um now that one I've got about seven half-written stuff that may or may not actually make it to all the way written, but you know, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I just realized I can do one uh, for that continuation that you said that you've got. <laughs> um I knew who the killer was when I when I did Tony as the cop, an agent very far afloat. I knew who the killer was in that one. Does that count? Was the killer um, the same person in canon? Because if it does, then no. There is no canon one. That's the one where I killed Keller okay. with a coffee cup. Oh, okay, okay. I really enjoyed that. I knew that. who killed her. Me too. <laughs> she got bludgeoned to death with a coffee cup. I um um 
writing original work is um, difficult for me sometimes. Um, I have um, I have a few issues going on that give me um, memory problems, and mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but sometimes in my fanfic, the same scene will appear in multiple works. It won't be the exact mm-hmm. same, but it will be there. Um, the same turns of phrase yes. pop up a lot. Um, and my main concern with writing original fiction um, is to make sure that I don't plagiarize myself or somebody else. And because my memory is so shot sometimes, it I'm not confident of my original work a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So I I I have to take a whole lot of time with it and be very careful with it because um my memory issues are are, are getting worse. I have um fibromyalgia and it's impacting my um my thought process and uh it it just makes me really nervous uh, and you know plagiarizing myself wouldn't be a big deal but i do think it's a kind of fraud and i wouldn't want to perpetrate that on my readers um i do have a short story in the contract process at cobblestone um it's just a little 3k erotica story um that the publisher asked for and so i wrote it out and i sent it to her and she said yay and um I'll have a cover pretty soon because it's going to come out on the 15th of this month. And um, I I'll announce that, that when I have a cover. But it's just going to be a little short erotica. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the big projects just take time because that's the reason why I'm mm-hmm. retired, basically, as a, as, a, as a pro writer, is because I'm just – I'm not confident. What I can – Right. What I can get away with because I wing it a lot more and I don't have certain things set in stone. Um, you've got, and I and, and I will say this, I've noticed it actually in just about everything. There are certain phrases that you like. Okay. And, well, yeah, that's and, part of my author so, voice, and that's okay. But mm-hmm. it's the duplication of scenes that bother me, and I've noticed it. And now that I've noticed it, I can't not notice it. Know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean, Vern? But <laughs> I do, do indeed. You do have a vocabulary, and you do have a certain set of phrases that you use, and that is part of your author voice. It's part of who you are as a writer, and those mm-hmm. are perfectly okay. So don't go off the deep end, you guys, and think that you're you're fucking up because you're not. But when you start regurgitating scenes across multiple fandoms, and it sticks out to you, it it makes you worried. It makes me worried about my original work. And mm-hmm. that's all it is. It's, it's, it's a mental stopgap for me. I still have mm-hmm. all those ideas for original works. I just have to... Right. There's a difference between author voice and worrying about using a content library. And those of you who don't know what a content library is, it's, um, uh, there was a time in the industry where more than a few pro writers would reuse their own work to create new books. They would copy and paste scenes 
in and create a new book out of it and change the character names. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's called a content, a content library. They'd be, okay, I'm going to take this sex scene from this book and this conflict from this book and put it all together, make a new book, put a name on it, and send it out and publish it. Very shady shit. And um, I wouldn't want to do that. I would never do that yeah. for purpose. But because I have been writing for um, 30 years, there is the idea that I could reuse my own content and not even be aware of it. And and that is a problem um, that I can see. I mean, some things, um, some scenes with, where you're working in the same universe, they're going to be similar just because you're in the same universe. You know, certain certain events, that, uh, certain. Um, Immovable time um, uh, points in time um, may they'll show up and and the event may happen, but how you treat it is going to be different. And that I have noticed that you you do you are very much a consistent of um, John may turn into a blue bug in most of your sign in your your uh, Stargate Atlantis fix but how it's handled, there's a great deal of same shit, different day from the Atlantis people, but the behind the scenes, um, how is John treated? Is, is there an urge to make him an experiment? You know, is, what has he gained from this? Did he gain nothing? Did he gain the ability to turn blue and fuck like a bunny for hours? You know? Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've not done that. <laughs> I'm writing that down. No, but the thing is, is um, I explore that concept a lot because I do believe that realistically that if he had anything going on left from that Iratus experiment, that he would have been majorly fucked. Yes. But the only thing standing between him and the lab in Area 51 would have been Jack O'Neill. Yes. Because Landry would have kicked his ass over to that lab, you know, faster than 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 he could get through the gate. Um, yes. So I do play with that a lot because I find that concept mm-hmm. realistic. Yes. But I but, but I know, am leery of that whole accusation of a content library. Even in fan fiction, mm-hmm. I'm 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 leery of that accusation. Um, so you know, it it's just. Well, now I that I know about comfortable. it, I'll keep a closer eye on it too. Well, I, I don't think it's really important in my fan fiction, so don't pick on me. But um, <laughs> but to. when it comes to my my original work, I do worry about it, and I think that that it's a legitimate concern, and um, mm-hmm. it's just something that I'm like, you know. Um, but then you know what? Also, it, it also comes down to this: there are just so many ways people can fuck. Okay, so um, I'm going to make a comment to Az. Az, are all the Smurfs related? Well, and if you answer yes, you need a corner. I swear to God. No, the Smurfs aren't even born. The Smurfs come from the stork. Are they grown on a tree or something? Because they got Papa Smurf uh, and everybody else. He was the first Smurf to come from the stork. 
Oh, and then the stork brought you baby to... Smurf. How can you not know the history of the fucking Smurf? Remember the Smurf that got lost in the wild, wild Smurf? And then they found him and no. he'd been raised in the woods? No. I hated the Smurfs. I would far rather have watched G.I. Joe or Robotech or He-Man or um, Thundercats because it was far less annoying than the little blue fuckers who didn't realize if you trapped Gilgamesh or whatever it was and you chopped his head off, problem solved. Gargamel. Oh, my God. Gargamel. Dude, I'm taking my friendship back. And Smurfette was made by Gargamel. I know, and she was green or something like that to start. <laughs> and then, and and then he made sassy Smurf, and fucked that up too. Little girl, yeah. So all the natural Smurfs are male, and the females were created by Gargamel. Um, but dude, how can you? I hated the Smurfs. I just don't like sit I hated in the, the corner, Smurfs. and I don't mean Az's corner either. You don't get to sit in the porn corner. I got my own corner. Go sit in the empty corner. Go sit in Ellie's corner. <laughs> oh, not very, she's not very smurfy. She, she's not. Uh-huh. She's not smurfy yep. at all. I'm not smurfy at all. I'm horrified. Now, wait. I'm there was not. something going on in the, in the... Hold on. Let's see. You know, I either had a conversation in the big chat room and the bitch squad, and I thought it was relative to the podcast, but it's not. Okay, and then, okay, Jilly wants to get on the air, which is fantastic, because I've got to get some tea, because I'm out of tea, and oh my God, Edie, how dare you? You go get the Ellie Corner, too, for fuck's sake. But no talking. Anyway, I'm going to put Julie on the air. I'm going to pause myself so I can get myself some tea because I'm about to die of thirst. And I'm also horrified. Okay. I'm putting myself on hold. Wait. Okay, let me get Julie on the air first. All right. You pick you there? Jesus. I'm just saying. What the fuck? He does need Jesus. Okay, I'm going to put myself on hold. I don't need Jesus. I need rum. Not you. You. We both need rum because I'm never going to get that out of my mind. Ever. 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 Truly. Okay. (sighs) Jesus. Okay, so I did have a panting question for you. Um, Okay. And I said said it was a little bit of a a long setup. Is that one of the things I've noticed about your panting is you seem to have the narrative structure is kind of natural to you so you sort of mm-hmm. I don't know if you think about it and plan it this way or if it just comes out that you naturally kind of follow the narrative structure where you have rising action you go to a climax you have some degree of falling action sometimes you're kind of like me and you kind of you know it's kind of off a cliff rocks fall and everybody action. dies right but the climax appears in the latter third of the story and you know you 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 don't you know peak prematurely and all that kind of stuff and you don't tend to have the action start to rise again at the end so you tend to kind of naturally seem to follow the that that kind of narrative structure which is sort of and i don't know if you do that on purpose or if it's just something you picked up by osmosis but in any case you seem to do it 
what I have noticed about some panthers is that they they struggle with that that structure. And like sometimes their climax comes too early or they start rising again after the climax or uh, whatever. There's some, there's some element of where they don't quite have the narrative structure of a story down in their pantsing. And so my question to you as a pantser who does that well is how would you advise someone who struggles with that in terms of working, going through their process, but getting their story into that kind of rhythm because it, it can throw people off when they there's a structural problem with their story and they don't know how to identify what it is so go okay first thing that whole thing you just did when you tilt your head 90 degrees to the to the right it sounds remarkably filthy and that was very hard to hold it in the entire time because, damn, that sounded like sex. Anyhow. Let it um, out. Just let it out. Just let it out. <laughs> just, just, just get it over with. Everybody in the chat room thought I was talking about porn, too. Yeah, the, it was the premature, premature um, uh, climax that I was thinking it actually should be premature ejaculation. But sure. Um Honestly, well, then it wouldn't the be there. I, if I said premature ejaculation, then we would not in any fashion be talking about narrative structure. Honestly, in some ways it doesn't feel like it because if you put, it, if you put that instead of climax, you're, all you're doing is switching the sex of the person who is, is you know, uh, moving the story along. And, you know, yeah, they ejaculate. Anyhow, um, so well, if you're writing erotica, I will agree with you that there's usually an actual ejaculation in the climax, but... <laughs> Assuming that not all stories are erotica. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, back to business. <clears throat> um, so, honestly, the 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 best way I can say this is, there was a point in time where I read. Um, 250 to 300 page books, I read two or three of those in a given day some days. All right. Um, I am a speed reader by training because that's how I learned to, or I got faster over time. I read incessantly. Okay. Um, reading is how I started learning the whole process by osmosis. The other thing, frankly, is movies, all right? Not just the good ones that, you know, get the, the critical acclaim, but also the shit ones, okay, um, where you're looking at it and you're wondering, how did this get made and how did this get past a, uh, uh, an editor? Because that will teach you what not to do, okay? Um, you want there to be, you know, that rise, that, that constant background tension to something and then it falls and, and sometimes it's an, that absolute push you over the cliff and you're just screaming your way to the, to the ground and you fall with a thud. And then there's other times when you're sitting there and going, is it over yet? And then Return of the King starts with the 16th ending, and you go, no, it's not. We're only halfway through the ending. Let's keep going. Um, You know, there are a lot of really good movies that will 
rise and rise and rise and rise and there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of drama and then the ending is is just satisfying. Um, honestly, the one that, that I'm thinking of is Aliens. Okay? Because the story starts, you know everything's gone to shit. All right? We have our drama. We have our, our horrible situation. We've got all the buildup. We've got all the mystery. We've got the climax. Actually, you've got two. Because, I'm sorry, blowing up that... that um, Installation, nuke it from orbit, the only way to be sure. That was punch number one. Punch number two was killing the queen. And then the falling action, as you called it, was where, you know, um, Ripley was putting Newt into her cradle for the, the, the cryo's uh, sleep, and then it was done. And you thought, hey, this is great. Somebody survived. All right, and you thought everything was fine. All right, but that for me is a pretty good um, primer in how to do a an action-packed story. So, does that answer the question? Somewhat. No. <laughs> okay. Because you told me um, how you told me how you did it, how you do it, and, and kind of what your influences mm-hmm. were. But if somebody's if some if a writer who's a pantser is struggling with like fizzling on their okay. story because they're like they have a long plateau because they climax too mm-hmm. early. Okay, it's coming back to sex. I'm sorry, I don't know how to talk about narrative structure. The I words are either. just sex words. They're just word sex words. So what advice would you give them? To give an other pantsers, because this is supposed to be advice for other pantsers. Okay. Is what advice would you give them for for tweaking their process or whatever, so that they can work work that kind of structure in, so they don't like peak too early or have okay know, right, have their action rise again at the end. <laughs> oh Jesus! So <laughs> I'm sorry for pointing that out to you. Um, honestly, go back and reread what you wrote. Okay, um, for all the fact that I hold a lot of story in my head, I do go back and as I'm writing, I do go back and reread, okay? So if I feel like, um, you know, did, did I, damn it, here I go. If Did I feel like I just blew my wad too early? Um, oh, my God. Then, <laughs> Then find out where it was. I mean, you know, it could, it could be, um, you know, it, did you, instead of having the, the psychological buildup of, you know, your, your characters are getting to this point and you know that there is going to be this big satisfying the satisfying thing here, okay, whatever it happens to be, um, and you've got all of this explanation, well, maybe some of that explanation should get picked up and moved earlier because you're going to have to, um, you know, you're going to have to get some to some of the reasoning behind it. You know, it, yes, you've got the, the damn it, 
Okay, um, going back to aliens, because, hey, why not? Um, the two climaxes of that particular movie for me are the, the detonation of the installation and the killing of the queen, okay? If, if they'd done it, if they'd self-destructed everything when they first discovered the aliens, all right, the movie would have been an awful lot shorter, okay, and a lot more boring. And so in some ways you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, well, this would be what I would logically do. But that's you. You're the writer. Yes, you're the one who's in control of the story, but your characters are what you're using to drive your story. Okay, so you've got your character, you've got, you know, the slimy um, company guy, you've got the soldiers who are there for the ride because they think it's all a bunch of bullshit, you've got Ripley who knows the monsters are out there, and then you've got something, aside from the monsters, but you've got something running around that station that you don't know about, all right, and so if you nuke the place from orbit, as soon as you see that there are, you know, acid holes, you're not getting the answers that you, that you need. You need to figure out where you can, why is the company guy there? What is his goal? You know, how can you get to him to his goal? Okay, so I let me ask know. you this. Have you, have you ever, have you ever pants the story where you didn't know what your big moment was going to be? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you just surprised the hell out of me. Okay. Well, the thing is, is, but here's the thing. Remember how I said that my first two um, really long stories were completely and utterly pantsed, and I had no idea what I was doing? Jesus, I can't unsee that. Christ. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> okay, so you've got... <laughs> But at some point, do you stop and figure out? So you started writing. You don't know where you're going. You don't even know what characters you're going to eventually bring in. You don't know who your killer is. I can't believe you told me that. I'm never going to get over that. I'm going to be reminding you of that forever. Um, but you started writing, and you don't. at some point, do you stop and figure out what your big moment yes. is? Because it seems like yeah. It seems like knowing where that's going to be is really critical to structuring how your story is going to play out. Yeah, it's um, (laughs) – there comes a point where I know as I'm writing along, um, and it happened with uh, Slow Slide and and, an Uncomplicated Choice, I knew I had certain things that I wanted to have happen. Um, My big – because I, I think I had a one-two punch in Slow Slide, which was where Daedalus got shot down and um, I got Atlantis out of the line of fire. And then it drifted a bit down and um, it worked out that the the end closed off with a, with a pretty decent ending where there really wasn't I mean, there were still uh, things that needed to be tied up, but it wasn't unsatisfying because we ended with John telling you what had happened, what they were doing. They were in the black. They were safe. Um, you know, they, they, they could survive, and they didn't have to worry. 
All right, so that was the very satisfying end, okay? Now, when I cut that off, did I know I was going to write the sequel? Yes, okay, because I wanted to figure out what else was happening because I knew there was a lot of unanswered questions. And the problem I have with um, an uncomplicated choice is my um, my big climax to the story in some ways, I think, is they figured out that the replicators are there and they've got... Um, you know, they've got this this need that they have and rather unceremoniously it's filled and they're they're kinda like, What the fuck, dude? You know, and so everything after that is tidying it up. And what so, I've got of the sequel is or not sequel, but what I've got of the ending is the start of a rising action and I think that's why I'm not putting it in because I don't want to do mm. it yet. So that actually kind of I'm kind of, I'm trying to understand the the panting your type of panting plot. So mm-hmm. so when you're if you're panting if you're kind of doing like a pure panting thing where you haven't done any prep you just sit down and start writing. Does that mm-hmm. is that the way you kind of control the structure? Is you get to what you feel like is your big moment and you go okay now it's time to start wrapping it up because you know you've had the big <laughs> moment and so you then start looking for the end. I literally. Um... I wrote to um, the, the point where the replicators handed Atlantis a dozen ZPMs and said, sayonara and good luck and thanks for all the fish. Um, and then it was like, okay, I took the wind out of the sails that I'd been, I'd been doing because I thought what I was going to be writing was a very daring raid where um, – Lauren and Shepard and assorted people go um, flipping into the replicator homeworld, steal a dozen ZPMs, and haul ass out. All right, and that's what I actually thought I was going to write there. And I was, as I was writing it, I couldn't make it work. And so I had Atlantis, who is much more um, um, awake and sentient than most people want to think about um, having been in communication with those, those replicators and they basically say mom's got squishies on her and, and doesn't want us to take them away. So we're take, we're giving you these to leave us alone. So mom basically told them that, you know, to play nice. And so it took the wind out of their sails. It took the wind out of my sails on that, but it made more sense. So I tried, okay, I tried to give, me, give myself the big grand uh, climax to the story, but I ended up doing something much quieter. Well, not, not all climaxes are a planet exploding. I just not so much. Can't deal with, I, I can't deal with the double entendres in this. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sorry. Okay, so, but, but that, it sounds like that's kind of what you did. Is you went, I, I found my moment. And now I'm going mm-hmm. to bring the story to a close because. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's the part that felt natural. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, yes, um, at that point I had written other things. By the time I hit that point with, with um, uh, an uncomplicated choice, I had other things that I was writing. I had 
a lot of things I was reading. I don't even remember what else was going on at that time, but it felt like it did feel like you know this is you know this is something that if I close it out and say the end, I'm good. Okay. Okay. Um, I may actually because I've I've actually got the the end scene for that particular series was written a very long time before everything was actually finished. Um, and so that was something I put up as a little um, piece of, of, hey, this is something that will eventually get shoved in and there's a place for it. It's just do I want to start it up as a new um, a new story or do I want to let it be where it is? And that's, I think that's the only reason why that story is um, not finished. Okay. Now, you typically don't post works in progress outside of Evil Author Day, right? You usually finish the story and then post it. Post I, at this point, am, am trying to, to post whole and complete stories. Do you find that as you've made the transition from, you know, um, working on maybe works in progress or and posting works in progress to only posting like outside of either evil author day um, or whatever, whenever you post snippets of something. But when it comes to mm-hmm. posting a story, do you find that, that it actually benefits you as a pantser to be post whole because you find your moment, you let the falling action happen, you find your end. And the, I think cause the reason I'm asking that is because I think one of the things I see is people find like pants their way to a point that is, would be like a, maybe a natural end, but they have all these loose ends. And because they're writing a work in progress, they, you know, they're posting as they go. They kind of have to just keep drawing the story out. Whereas you, if you find that end, my question, I guess, well, you know, convoluted way of getting there is you then go back and maybe tuck in some of those ends here and there and edit in anything that's straggling or do you just not do um, that? Okay, so one of the reasons I do, I'm trying to do now whole and entire stories is because um, I found out the hard way that I got too influenced by commentary. Um, some things that showed up in um, my first two stories were because of comments I read. Because I first started posting that thing on LiveJournal. All right. And so, you know, I would post it up and there would be commentary and I'd read through it. And it's like, I like that idea. And it influenced me. Okay. I'm not going to lie. It did. Um, So if I do a whole and entire story, it's me and my head and maybe me and my beta or the alpha reader or quite frankly, anybody in, in um, the squad, because you guys have seen it first and, and you say, you know, hey, I like this or what did you, why, why was that point there? You know, um, and so that's a much smaller sphere of influence. As far as um, taking care of the loose ends, yeah, that, that's another major reason because it means that I'm far less likely to not figure out who the killer is before I do anything. <laughs> Sorry. 
Okay. You're not, this, this, do, you not I, knowing the killer, this, this you not knowing the killer thing is going to kill me. I, I'm just, I'm struggling. <laughs> well, um, I so so you think? I mean, I I I understand what you mean about like I used to. I, I've I've posted tried writing the whip thing a couple of times, and um, the mm-hmm. comments, even if you don't want them to affect you, they they can. Um, right. So I understand completely what you mean by that. Um, but my question, so when you're, when you've like pants your way to the end, you got to the end and you feel like you found an end, do you, as part of your process in the editing, I don't know how, I don't know how a pantser's editing process differs from a plotter's editing process. Do you ever then like go back when you're editing and like tuck in loose ends or do you know what your loose ends yes. are or, I mean, how well, do you, I, how do you approach that? From- Okay, so I've read it from beginning to end, and I've got um, um, okay. So uh, one of the loose ends that I've got for um, a lifelong bond, not blonde, life a lifelong bond, are the two puppies. They get mentioned twice. Once when they get picked up, and once when um, Queso uh, says to bring them out for training. And that's it. Okay? Um, when I get to the editing point, they're going to show up more because they are a big part of the life of those boys. Okay? And so they're going to show up in training. Um, the battle that I put in the middle, um, they're going to show up there. Okay, um, they may show up um, where somebody is stitching up a cut because they were in battle and, you know, somebody uh, got a lucky strike in, you know, that type of a thing where it's something I mentioned and then I dropped and it's very abrupt and it needs to be taken care of. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did I think about it when I finished writing it? No, actually, I didn't. Um, I wrote them, I, I put them in, and then I didn't think about them again until I was closing everything up and realized I forgot something, and I need to put She's it in. So it's you going to be going in and edit. But this is not a trade, okay? This isn't something like, you know, if if I was doing um, where I'd, I'd thrown it on my site and it was up there for two years and then I was rereading it. Okay? Is that a dig at me um, for not knowing I wrote meal preg? <laughs> Are you digging at me? No. No, and it wasn't also about that you and Nico either. That if you did. Yeah, but, uh, no, this I actually wasn't you. I that I had... Yeah, written mail prig. I didn't. And I didn't either. So that you, you are totally and completely absolved of all whatever. I'm honestly <laughs> afraid of what I'm going to find when I go through um, one of the stories that I'm looking at as a potential sequ- for a potential sequel. Okay, um, because I have a feeling I've got some um, things dangling, and I need to um, look at it and figure it out. Um, because I can, I've got a couple 
stories that I can do sequels in in the Stargate fandoms. Um, the one where I had um, people with the ATA gene become either wolves or cats. Okay. And, you know, what did I leave hanging there? Um, I have the unlikely Wait. and the unwilling. I have a question. Is that sure. how you always pick out, like you go through and read yeah, them and see what you've left hanging so you can ride another part? Sometimes. sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Or, you know, um, what I may end up doing when I reread it is it's like, okay, so I got to the point that I can see why I ended this here, but now I want to contemplate what happens next. You know, what's the next thing I'm going to do to these people? You hurt my soul sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that will all affection, though. I know, but I okay, mean, you guys, okay. when, you, when you put together your um, stories, you already have the series the the next story in mind how many times have we potted book five of Lantean Legacy and I haven't even written book three yet we haven't even done book four yet that's the crazy part um I'm saying of course I do yeah (laughs) yeah um Ellie I yeah I have done work in an episode format and I suppose you could consider July episodes one and two. I could probably continue it after I finish writing um, Little Lion Man. Um, Episode format is weird for me. Um, It really is. Did you like it or no? This is... Because you did do it in July. I did. Last July. Actually, yeah, I did. Um, It was comfortable, okay, and I could do it. Um, Is it something that I'm going to do for longer stories? Yes, probably. That'd be a really good way for Um, you to build an epic, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a very short-term format. It would be, you know, it yeah. would be very comfortable for you, I think. Mm-hmm. Because it's chunks and I can do that easily. And honestly, um, Agent Very Far Afloat, that one's got stuff that if I if I increase the number of people on Atlantis and I increase um, the behind-the-scenes stuff I'm doing, I've got a lot more. What may end up being more the epic is Cooper and her people. And that's just an unexpected fun thing that I didn't realize I was having a great deal of fun doing until I started writing it. I like Cooper because, because you get to see the 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 inner workings of of well, you're drawing on your Navy experience, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind oh, of yeah. like seeing seeing the background of what it might like to be like be on a ship. In the Navy? Yes. Because Atlantis is kind of like a ship. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. kind of like a, their own little city. 
And isn't a Navy mm-hmm. ship kind of like a little city? Um, in a lot of ways, it is. The closest um, one that you have to an actual city is an aircraft carrier because you can have 5,000 or more people on something that objectively isn't that big, okay? Um, and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of stuff going on and, you know, you don't know everybody that's on board ship. I don't, I mean, I was on board ship with a thousand people. I didn't know who three quarters of the people I, I was on board ship with were, you know, I recognized them. Um, couldn't tell you their names for love nor money if they were out of uniform. Because yeah. <laughs> they all wore name tags. <laughs> Nice thing about the Navy, they they, they um, identify you forward and aft. You had one over your <laughs> left breast pocket with your name, and on your your I think it was your right butt cheek. You had one, so fore and aft you were labeled. It was great. <laughs> I always knew who people were. <laughs> I come back and I'm the civilian again, and nobody's got name tags. Damn it! <laughs> that shit's real difficult. It is. Um, is there a difference in your planning when you do episode format to a multi-chapter fic? Actually, Julie, I did say that to somebody. I'm not looking at your butt. I'm trying to read your name. That one was, poor guy. Um, yeah. Um, if I remember right, his, his name was something along the lines of, it, it was a, another name for marijuana. And I don't remember what it was, but it was something hysterically funny. Uh, for Edie, the, her question, is there a difference in your planning when, I do, when you do episode format to a multi-chapter fic? Uh, yes. When I was doing the Agent Very Far Afloat, um, every episode, I, I actually planned that one out um, because I wanted to make sure that... Um, uh, sorry about this. Um, the overall story had the rises and the falls that, that I tried to put in, but each episode had its own internal um, rises and falling and points that I had to hit. You know, um, I looked at it as it was an episode. I did put down for my own making sure I got this right, the points that I needed to hit, that one was far more planned than it was pantsed. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you a question. We've got three minutes left, sure. and you can be perfectly, oh, completely, and totally honest, and I will not cry. Um, do you think that sometimes I stifle you as a plotter? No. Okay. Because you can be honest. I know, but no, you don't because you make me think, okay? Um, I may not um, free flow quite as as organically. I'm also 10 years older than I was when I I wrote the first two uh, stories I wrote. Um, Yeah. And that was um, when you started writing, right? Like seriously fiction writing? And I had no clue of the rules, and I sat down with a computer, and I started writing, 
and I did word vomit, and then I hit the backspace, and I did more word vomit, and you know, um, it it was so you've been writing ridiculous. About 10 years. I've been writing a little bit longer than that now, actually, but I'd have to go look. Um, but the what you've given me is more the ability to think logically of the what ifs. Okay, and to put together a tighter story that I can't drive a Mack truck through. Okay, and no, so for so. that, okay, <laughs> and so for me that works. Okay, I'm not stifled. I learned. I got new tools, and um, what this the stuff that I had that worked before still works. I've just got more stuff I can play with. Okay, well, I had had somebody in the past tell me that my process and being exposed to my process um, was detrimental to their creativity. So I was just curious if that was something that I, it isn't on purpose. It's just I'm a very um, deliberate person. Um, yeah, and I don't, you know, for, for every dreamer, they need somebody who can keep them attached to the ground so they don't float away. And for every person who, who walks on the ground and loves it and hugs it and calls it George, they need a dreamer so that they, that way they can look up at the sky and appreciate what they've got, okay? <laughs> I float along like a balloon, and sometimes it's a hot air balloon, and sometimes it's helium and shooting for the stratosphere. You know, you hang on for the ride and wonder, why the hell are you doing this? Stop! You know, and we work. <laughs> I've also got a bow and arrow, just in case. This is true. We're down to... 57 seconds, I'm a crack shot, I promise. Um, you guys have a great weekend. We may or may not do some podcasts this weekend. I don't know. My mom's picking me up tomorrow. Who knows what will oh. happen as we venture into the world. Say good night, Lady Holder. Walmart ahoy. Good night, Lady Holder. I'll see you guys later. <laughs>